0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening. Thank you for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. Those stories in just a moment, but we begin tonight with breaking news. Quite literally, a broken water main is once again
2: wreaking havoc. This time, the damage is in Lynn Valley, and multiple homes are impacted. That's where we find our Sarah McDonald. And Sarah, that's now four breaks in four different communities recently.
3: That's right, cold weather and aging pipes have been a recipe for disaster right across Metro Vancouver this week at least when it comes to water damage and houses. Now this is the latest water main burst here on the North Shore in the Lynn Valley neighborhood. You can see crews are hard at work behind us. They have been for a few hours now. They have now located the site of the break in that water main behind us and are working to replace it. Now these crews have been here since late this afternoon. District officials tell us a couple of houses have been impacted, likely two or three at this point. One of the homeowners let us take a look inside their house earlier today to show us the water pooling in their basement, as you can see there. Residents here are now joining an unfortunate club of flooded homeowners right across the region. On Tuesday, a ruptured pipe in Surrey flooded several homes, and on Wednesday, a water main broke in downtown Vancouver near the Vancouver Art Gallery. Then, just yesterday morning, residents in Burnaby woke up to Col- colossal water damage a water main bursting in a neighborhood on a downhill slope making matters even worse now in this case we are told only a handful of houses are impacted but this entire block roughly 20 houses remains without running water and likely will for quite some time
4: and i go outside and look and say holy There's freaking water everywhere. And before I know it, I'm looking at the garage, and there's about four feet of water this high. Went all in the garage, all in the basement. The big, thick mud, as you can see, the sticky, slimy stuff. City didn't come until after. There's a ton of water. There's a ton of damage.
3: Now, it is believed the culprit here is an aging pipe. Residents tell us it has been here for 40 or 50 years. Now, the bad news for the residents here, one of whom we spoke with and is hosting a party tonight with dozens of people, they will be without running water for five or six hours, likely until around 11 o'clock tonight. Now, for other residents on the North Shore they may be seeing some murky water in their pipes, district officials tell us it's because of this they're advising residents to run their taps until their water runs clear. Jake
2: feel for those affected. Thank you very much, Sarah. Sarah McDonald reporting for us tonight. You might recall the flooding caused by a sudden thunderstorm in Maple Ridge back in September of last year. Damage to the Ridge Meadows Child Development Center was extensive, but the provincial government announced today an almost $120,000 gaming grant to finish renovations at a new facility. The 30-year-old society helps more than 1,200 children with special needs each year. The new site is now just a few months away from a full opening.
1: There are growing calls for accountability as police investigate another shooting at Vancouver's Oppenheimer Park. Those who live and work in the area are questioning what needs to happen before serious action is taken. Our Nadia Stewart is live outside City Hall with more on the growing concerns. And Nadia, many are wondering tonight, where is the urgency in finding a solution here?
5: Well, Anne, some are calling for an injunction, but advocates say an injunction will not help the situation. It will only leave Oppenheimer Park residents in an even more dire situation. A legal clinic and community dinner at Oppenheimer Park marks the one-year anniversary of the current tent city, one the subject
6: of much debate. We only displace people from camps when we are looking for excuses to get rid of the visible manifestations of homelessness and poverty that are a result of government inaction.
5: Advocates and park residents say the situation at Oppenheimer is because of a failure by the city to address the real problem, inadequate affordable housing for its most vulnerable residents. They say the encampment in August happened without consultation and only made matters worse.
4: When the city talks about how they came up with an amazing plan to house 100 people, there were people literally dying in the streets and that was one of those people was my niece. We need to
6: stop waiting for incidents to happen at tent cities to use those as an excuse to displace people.
5: The latest incident in the park was a shooting Thursday evening. One man remains in hospital. Advocates are critical of Vancouver Police's response.
7: We're not the Board of Housing. We're the Board of Parks and Recreation.
5: But NPA Park Board Commissioner John Cooper says police are doing their best. He says it's time for the board to focus on its mandate.
7: People don't have access to their park. This is a park-deficient neighbourhood in any event. And that park also provides a lot of services for the community. That, that facility is now closed.
5: The Park Board voted this week to hire an independent third party to assess the needs of those living in the park and make recommendations. An injunction is a last resort. Park Board Chair Stuart McKinnon declined an on-camera interview and the city pointed us to police. And police say they're here to support the Park Board and the city.
4: We'd really like to continue to push the rest of the government other than the parks board who's the only level of government that has been working with this community and trying to find a solution.
1: So Nadia, there seems to be a lot of finger pointing here and few answers. Do we know how many people live in the park now?
5: And I asked that question. We did not get an exact number. Advocates tell me that the city's homeless population has grown to over 2,000 but over 600 people do not have an overnight shelter option in the city of Vancouver. Back to you. All right.
2: Nadia Stewart reporting at City Hall tonight. The man who stabbed an amateur photographer to death on the Stanley Park seawall nearly three years ago has pleaded guilty to second degree murder. 62 year old Lubomir Kunik was found dead on the seawall between Second Beach and Third Beach in February of 2017. The accused, Tyler Anthony Lagimodier entered a plea yesterday in court. He'd been facing a first-degree murder charge, but pleaded guilty to the lesser charge. The killing was believed to be random. Sentencing is set for February 27th.
1: Enough is enough. That's the message from the Surrey Board of Trade when it comes to the mayor's repeated attempts to block ride hailing in that city. As Richard Zussman reports, claims by Doug McCallum that residents are against services like Lyft and Uber don't match up with recent feedback.
8: Surrey's roads are a crowded place, buses, cars, taxis, and the mayor doesn't want to add ride-sharing vehicles to that list. A large
7: uh, amount of our residents in the city of Surrey um, do not support um, ride
9: hailing.
8: The city throwing up additional roadblocks to keep ride-sharing vehicles out even before they hit BC's road. Surrey the only municipality to vote against a regional taxi license and wants to go at it alone.
7: Our staff are looking at um, doing our own um, licensing as far as uh, uh, rail uh, ride
8: hailing is concerned. When speaking to residents, it's a much different story than the one McCallum is telling.
9: Why is the Surrey exception? It should be in. I think if it's
8: a more economical way to go, I think that's the best thing to do. A poll done in June asked 725 Surrey residents their thoughts on ride sharing. 78% saying ride sharing should be available in Surrey. 74% 74% saying it should be done as soon as possible, and 80% saying they're familiar with the services. The Surrey Board of Trade finding similar results with the business community.
6: We have 6,000 business contacts within our membership, and we received an overwhelming 60% response in favor of ride sharing.
8: Other Metro Vancouver mayors say it's not their responsibility to settle the score between the taxi companies and the newcomers, the ride-sharing
2: companies. That's up to the province. The province has been very clear. The decision about whether ride-hailing is coming or not coming to the province has been made. And so our job is to issue a business license. The Surrey battle is just one conflict
8: shaping ride-sharing. Global News has learned the Labour Relations Board is set to mediate on Tuesday between the UFCW and Lyft and Uber. The union wanting a ruling. The major companies must make drivers employees. A decision that would rattle the business model and potentially stop Uber and Lyft dead in their tracks. Richard Zussman, Global News.
2: More details today on that small plane crash on Gabriola Island. The twin-engine plane piloted by Alex Balson had been traveling from Mexico to Nanaimo when witnesses say it appeared to struggle before nose-diving into a wooded area. A preliminary report by NAV Canada indicates the aircraft was approaching Nanaimo for landing when an equipment issue was reported. A short time later, it dropped off the radar.
1: Several senior homes on Vancouver Island are under scrutiny tonight. The Health Authority intervening at another retirement concept senior care home, the third since September. Global's Brad McLeod explains what's behind the concerns.
10: Enjoying activities.
11: These seniors seem to be happy with their care at a retirement concepts facility. But this promo video is in stark contrast to what is really happening on Vancouver Island. There are documented cases of physical and emotional abuse which have happened in Selkirk Seniors Village in Victoria. It's a 217 bed extended care facility and it's the latest retirement concepts owned operation to be taken over by Island Health.
10: I just find the rooms are very dismal. Two months ago I would
11: have the staff sort of say Gosh, we're so short Dr. Murray Fife, the health officer for the South Island releasing a report. He found through numerous routine and complaint-based licensing inspections, it was clear there was insufficient staffing and a lack of overall cleanliness. And instead of the usual process of placing conditions on their license, the situation so dire. Fife called for another immediate administration takeover. Out of seven retirement concept facilities on the island, in the last three months, nearly half are being run by Island Health. But retirement concepts has facilities all throughout the province.
7: The fact that they all happen to be retirement concepts, uh, facilities should be a matter of public concern. It's certainly of concern to me.
11: Lula Spence visits her husband, David, every day at Selkirk Village. She welcomes the intervention.
4: It keeps everybody honest, you know, and I feel that it can only get better. Karen
11: Schopp says goodbye to her 93-year-old dad, Milton.
4: I'm
10: looking forward to the improvements and uh, vote for better for everyone, not just my father, but for everyone. Susan
11: Aberman will take on the administration duties at Selkirk for six months. She is also overseeing the Comox Valley Seniors Village and Nanaimo Seniors Village. Love you, Dad. Brian McLeod, Global News, Victoria.
1: And meantime, the company that operates the facilities, West Coast Seniors Housing Management, tells Global News, quote, we recognize the appointment of an administrator at three sites is unprecedented. It speaks to the staffing crisis that is impacting our sector and the impact it was having on us as the largest care provider in the province. We are working collaboratively with the administrator, licensing and health authority t- to address these ongoing challenges. It's a unique program that's changing young lives. For more than two decades, the Odd Squad has been working together with junior hockey teams on a peer-to-peer
2: outreach program. It covers drugs, gangs, and other community issues. Aaron MacArthur has more on how it works and why it's succeeding where others have failed.
11: All yeah, right, There's almost a stabbing every second day. The reality in the
12: alleys of the downtown east side can be difficult to take in.
2: Uh, what's your drug of choice down here?
12: Um, heroin. Six players from the Surrey Eagles in the BCHL saw firsthand what poverty and addiction can look like. The players touring the downtown east side with the odd squad. Inside some of the most notorious SROs and in the alleys. It's actually a lot worse than
13: I thought it would be. It's hard not to feel bad, you know, because you just see so many people in the streets and it's It's
3: awful.
12: As part of the Odd Squad Junior Hockey Mentorship Program, players are given self-defense instruction and classroom presentations about drugs and gangs. The key component is the close-up look at street addiction. It's not designed as a scared straight type program. These are not high-risk youth. Instead, this is education that will eventually lead to -to peer-to-peer discussions.
2: I think it really resonates with these kids who have had almost everything they want in life. Um, It makes them take a hold of it.
12: The program goes back more than a decade. Teams from all over the WHL and BCHL have participated. More than 400 NHL players have done this walk. The general manager of the Surrey Eagles, who participated himself as a player, believes this can be used to foster leadership. I think if you you have an opportunity to kind of see something firsthand and, and now be able to process it and then learn how to articulate that to the next kid, that's part of leadership. Addiction doesn't know the difference between rich or poor. It can strike anywhere and anyone. Now players from across North America will take this experience and try to steer other kids away from decisions that can lead to some dark places. Aaron MacArthur, Global
2: News. The city of Vernon says Frosty the snowman has to go. The 12-foot inflatable has been a fixture in front of an educational toy store for the past eight Christmases.
1: But he has now been deemed a safety hazard, as Claudia Van Emmerich tells us the whole affair has supporters calling Grinch. This is where Frosty usually is. It's right here, and he's anchored to this pool.
13: But Frosty the inflatable snowman has been given the boot.
5: Totally the Christmas Grinch. It's pretty petty compared to some of the things that they need to be dealing with.
13: Forced off the sidewalk by the city of Vernon. The 12-foot-tall inflatable has been a fixture in front of the Teach and Learn toy store in downtown Vernon for the past eight seasons until now.
5: But yesterday, bylaw came by and
13: asked us to remove Frosty. The city giving the snowman a frosty reception, saying there was no permit for him to occupy the sidewalk. And that's not all. The city says Frosty had to go because of safety concerns, mainly the tripping hazard due to the fact an extension cord had to run from the inflatable, which was situated here, across the sidewalk and into the store.
9: We want to make sure that everybody who's using our sidewalks are safe. We want to make sure that all of the proper permits are in place and that goes
1: for everybody in town.
13: But the store's owners question why Frosty's presence has suddenly snowballed and resulted in such a drastic action.
1: Why, for the last three
5: Three weeks it's been okay to have him up and then all of a sudden yesterday it's not why for the last eight years it's been okay to have him and then
9: all of a sudden yesterday it's not
13: why would they be able to do this without a permit for so many seasons
9: unfortunately i don't have the details or, or any specifics to be able to speak to that
13: customers we spoke with say the city is acting a bit like scrooge that's silly <laughs> why do you say that well, I think it's part of Christmas downtown. And there's still hope Frosty may be melting hearts outside of the toy store in time for Christmas. A bylaw officer is back at the store on Friday trying to work with the shop owners to come up with a solution. We want Frosty back and so does the whole community. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Vernon.
1: Well, hopefully they can resurrect uh, Frosty. So long for Frosty, Christmas. <laughs> yeah.
2: We'll always have the memories.
1: We will always have the memories. Okay, yeah. speaking of getting to the holiday spirit, let's check in now with meteorologist Yvonne Schell, who's down at Canada Place where it's uh, Christmas down there, Yvonne.
10: Yeah, it's Christmas at Canada Place, guys, and I'm outside just one of the nostalgic Woodward's windows. You can walk along the promenade and enjoy all of them. This is a great holiday tradition, a family event. It's free, and it's something to do during the holiday season all until uh, January the 1st. So also down here, they've got the Avenue of Trees. They've got sculptures. They've got a large moose that is displayed just at the northern tip. It's a 15-foot-tall moose, and they call it Chris Moose. Uh, they've got the iconic sales of lights and they've got lots to do if you're planning on coming down. Flyover Canada is just around the corner from where I am. They've got a special feature that you can go to the North Pole. So if you do plan on coming down, the display will be here all the way in towards January the 1st. We'll have more on that. And it's wet. But the good thing is I'm dry underneath here on the promenade. So if you do come down, you can stay dry, see some of the displays that are here. And I'll have your full weekend forecast. There is some glimmer of hope and some breaks on the way. Guys?
2: Oh, very encouraging. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. We'll check back with you in a bit. The bizarre case of a Canadian Bitcoin millionaire has taken a new twist. The founder of the bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange Quadriga CX, Gerald Cotton, died from complications of Crohn's disease during a trip to India in December 2018. But lawyers for clients who are owed more than $200 million are asking the RCMP to exhume Cotton's body to determine whether he is in fact dead. He was the only one who had access to the so-called cold wallets that were supposed to hold his customers' cryptocurrency, and with his supposed death, they disappeared.
1: British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is back on Downing Street after an historic win in Thursday's general election.
2: His majority government now paves the way for Brexit to finally happen after almost a year of delays. Global's Redmond Shannon reports. Good afternoon. This this morning I, I went to Buckingham Palace and I am forming
14: a new government. And on Monday, MPs will arrive at Westminster to form a new parliament. Boris Johnson's greatest day yet, glowing in his new hefty majority and reaching out to his opponents in this divided nation. And then I want to speak also to those who did not vote for us or for me. And who wanted, and perhaps still want, to remain in the EU. Johnson knows his majority of Brexit-backing MPs came from a slight minority of voters. I urge everyone to find closure and to let the healing begin. So now Boris Johnson hopes to push his Brexit deal through the House of Commons as soon as possible and take the UK out of the EU by the end of January.
13: We have been waiting for one year for the UK to tell us what it wants. Now we have clarity.
14: Relief across the EU, but the divisions remain deep among some hardliners on the streets of London.
9: I've heard you now. Thank you very much. <gasps> on the way. Go on, on the way.
14: This policy analyst says the size of the Tory majority may force pro-EU Remainers to change tack. Does the Remain movement kind of accept that we are leaving and try to shape shape the outcome or does it kind of pivot towards let's get let's rejoin the eu for now they have to face up to defeat and the reality that the uk likely only has a few weeks left inside the european union redmond shannon global news london
1: for only the third time in u.s history the house of representatives will be voting on articles of impeachment against a president Aye.
4: miss jackson
10: lee votes i
1: after 14 hours of debate, the House Judiciary Committee approved the charges against President Donald Trump today. The vote went along party lines. Trump is accused of trying to leverage Ukraine's military aid in exchange for politically motivated investigations and then blocking witnesses and defying subpoenas. The final question on whether to impeach the president heads to the House floor next week.
2: Now to an unlikely Twitter battle making headlines. The U.S. president is facing backlash over comments he made about Greta Thunberg, the teen climate activist who was just named Times Person of the Year. NBC's Kristen Welker reports.
4: It is round two of an unlikely feud. The president of the United States versus 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg. Less than 14 hours after Thunberg became the youngest person ever, named Times Person of the Year, President Trump, one of the five finalists for the annual honor, weighed in, tweeting, so ridiculous, Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. Shortly after Thunberg changing her Twitter bio, to read, a teenager working on her anger management problem, currently chilling and watching a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. The backlash against the president's comments coming quick with some pointing out that the teenager is on the autism spectrum, something Thunberg has called her superpower in her fight for the environment. Nothing like going after a young girl with Asperger's syndrome. Former First Lady Michelle Obama just off a trip to Vietnam with today's Jenna Bush Hager. The fate of young women
5: here at some point determines the fate of all of us.
4: Tweeting this message to Thunberg overnight. Don't let anyone dim your light like i have met in Vietnam and all over the world, you have so much to offer us all. Ignore the doubters and know that millions of people are cheering you on. The current first lady has made it her mission to take on cyberbullying. There is one goal to be best. That name for her campaign trending overnight. It's not the first time the president has targeted Thunberg. Earlier this year, he tweeted a clip of her speech about climate change at the United Nations. How dare you! Along with the message, she seems like a very happy young girl, looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see. Thunberg at the time taking it in stride, changing her Twitter bio to read, a very happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future.
1: This all comes as German Chancellor Angela Merkel was named the most powerful woman by Forbes magazine for the ninth straight year. Merkel has been in her role since 2005, but it says she will not seek re-election in 2021. Coming in at number two is Christine Lagarde, who became the president of the European Central Bank last month. Third on the list is U.S. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Rounding out the top five, Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, and Mary Barra, CEO of General Motors. Of note, climate activist Greta Thunberg claimed the final spot on the list at number
2: 100. Oscar-nominated actor Danny Aiello has died.
4: Will you marry me? I will marry
2: Aiello got his big break portraying a clueless fiancé in Moonstruck. He played the tough guy in numerous films, from a killer cop in Fort Apache, the Bronx, to a pizzeria owner in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, for which he received an Oscar nomination. Aiello broke into acting when he was 37. His first big movie was Bang the Drum Slowly with Robert De Niro. His family says Aiello died Thursday evening after a brief illness. He was 86. More disturbing numbers on the risks of vaping. The Centers for Disease Control in the U.S. says in the past week, there have been four more reported deaths associated to e-cigarettes. That brings the total deaths to 52. There are also more than 2,400 lung injury cases from 50 states. That's an increase of 118 from the previous week. There have been more than a dozen vaping-related illness reported in Canada. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A nine-year-old Surrey boy setting an amazing example of compassion. Carson has some impressive goals for himself, raising money and growing his hair out to donate to help children with cancer.
1: But sadly, his family now feels compelled to cut his campaign short. Jill Bennett explains.
6: Nine-year-old Carson likes to do what many nine-year-olds do, playing video games after school. But it's what's been happening at school and at a skate park that has his parents upset. He's been being picked on for his long hair. A couple of years ago, Carson decided to grow his hair so he could donate it to Balding for Dollars, an annual fundraiser for BC Children's Hospital. It is a celebration. Let's hear it, guys. And it starts right now. But as his hair got longer, other students started making fun of him.
11: They just keep on calling me a girl.
6: Carson says the name-calling didn't bother him so much, but he doesn't like how much it upset his parents. It's hard because he's doing something so noble, and he's being bugged about it.
1: I told them that I'm a boy, and I was telling them to stop. They wouldn't stop, so I would just not even like listen to them.
6: Carson has decided to cut his hair next week instead of waiting until the event in May. Since his mom started sharing his story on social media, he's actually received even more support. The outpouring of support and love and kindness, it's just so encouraging. This long mane will still be donated to BC Children's Hospital, and Carson is still working to reach his fundraising goal, pressing on to make a difference and do something positive, a message his mom hopes the kids who have been picking on him also receive. Jill Bennett, Global News.
2: Well, good for you, Carson. Mm-hmm. That's uh, amazing flow. And, uh, yeah, he's doing the right <laughs> thing. So. Yeah, he does a beautiful great, fun, right? yeah. Very rock and roll video there. I like it. It's <laughs> good. Uh, all right, we're uh, checking you in with Yvonne. She's at Canada <laughs> Place uh, taking in the sights and sounds. Feeling a lot like Christmas down there, Yvonne.
10: Yes, this is a great holiday tradition. You can come on down and check out the nostalgic Woodward's windows. They've got the avenue, of festival of trees, and lots to do here during the holiday season and running all the way until January the 1st. Let's get to your forecast. It's all important, uh, kicking things off for the weekend. We're still tracking some wet weather this evening. We've got some showers, heavier pockets or waves are still working its way in right across the south coast, the island included within that, but it is going to ease off, and there is a nice bright spot as we get in towards our Saturday A shot from what it looked like earlier today, English Bay. It was ominous out there. We've been seeing the wet weather. We're currently sitting at 6 out of the airport with a northeasterly wind at 11 kilometres per hour. As we look ahead by tomorrow morning, cloud cover, a chance for some showers will be for the morning, drier for the afternoon, but still seeing a fair bit of cloud cover on Saturday. And then it's on Sunday that it does start to brighten up before we start to see the next weather maker moving in. And that'll be on Monday. So overnight, cloud cover, a few showers. Hours will pop up for the morning by the afternoon. Temperatures tomorrow getting up to 8. The average for this time of the year sits closer to 6. A nice clearing on the way for the northern half of the province. Brightening up inland. It is going to be a chilly one. Only a high of minus 5. Much of the central interior still seeing a few isolated flurries. Higher elevations if you're traveling along the mountain passes. The Colombian Kootenai included within that. But it will be little in the terms of snowfall. It's just flurries right along the south coast. As well, we'll see the cloud cover for the day tomorrow, it brightens up on our five-day forecast, and that's really Sunday. And then looking Monday onwards, it'll be quite soggy. So get out and enjoy both your Saturday and Sunday, guys.
1: Right, nice to see the sunshine finally. That rain has been relentless. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for
2: that, Yvonne. I'm gonna wash the car this weekend. I've only been putting it off <laughs> three months, so now's the time. Sorry,
7: you get one good day with the wash in this time of year, you'll take. You got to seize the moment. Yeah. yeah. So.
2: Well, the Canucks can thank their goalie for the two points last night. That was a spectacular performance mm-hmm. in net. You
7: always want your goalie to steal a few for you during you the it. season, and you know what a difference that can make well, yeah. for everything. All right, thanks, guys. The uh, with backup goalie Thatcher Damco out for the next uh, while with a concussion. Jacob Markstrom's going to get very busy, and that could be a great thing for the Canucks. Markstrom's had a past history of getting into a groove and carrying the team, and based on last night, this could be another one of those grooves. He played one of his best games ever as a Canuck, making 43 saves, many of them magnificent in stealing a 1-0 overtime victory over the Hurricanes. If you missed it, or even if you didn't, it deserves another look.
9: For the Canucks, Jacob Markstrom gets the call for a second straight game. Being pursued by Gauthier. Julian Gauthier, glove saved by Markstrom. Svetchnikov has it. Top of the slot, dishes off. Oh, what a save by Markstrom again with the glove as he was able to snare that shot off the stick of Dougie Hamilton. Jenner Hughes under pressure. Here's Fogle, out comes Markstrom. Able to poke the puck in the corner, now he's trying to scramble back. Puck in the air, and Markstrom gets the glove on it. What a wild sequence this is. Jacob Markstrom put on a clinic in that second period. Shots on goal, what was it, 22 to seven? Svechnikov in, there's a backhander stopped by Markstrom as Fogel tested him in tight. Stahl still with the puck. Comes up front of the backhand, put it to the crease, knocked away by Markstrom again. Jacob Markstrom up to 33 saves now. Here's Pesci. Centering full. Stopped by Markstrom. Pumps in the crease. Cleared away by Tannen. Jacob Markstrom. Another huge stop. Since March 26, 2013, the Canucks are going to overtime in a 0 0 game. Slaven's lost his stick. Desser centers. And here's Pedersen. Score! A shot the team to Pedersen the other half to Jacob Markstrom 43 saves shutout.
7: Pretty amazing. We reported earlier this week that the Whitecaps were close to signing Canadian international Lucas Cavallini and now it appears the 26-year-old from Toronto will indeed come to Vancouver and it will all be made official early next week. Multiple sources say Cavallini will sign for four years and that the Whitecaps had to pay six million U.S. dollars in transfer fees to Mexican league side Puebla to land Cavallini. He will give the Caps some finishing skills. He's been a great producer for Canada's national team of late. As well. You can see the quality around the net, and the Whitecaps are desperate for that kind of player. Cavalini also scored 29 goals in 75 appearances for Puebla in a very good Liga Mex. So, hopefully, the first of many signings to upgrade the talent level for the Whitecaps. All right. Double session at the President's Cup in Australia today. Best ball in the morning. Adam Hadwin did not play. Tiger Woods also took the morning off. Very cold and wet in Australia today. Abraham answer first Mexican to ever make the international team. Look at the putt. Look at where he's aiming. Won his first two matches, and it makes an incredible putt early in this one. Internationals began the day with a 6.5 to 3.5 lead. That's like a 1% putt, even for those guys, but it went in. <laughs> Another international rookie, 21-year-old South Korean Sun Jae Im, almost holes out for Eagle. He and Answer paired together today to beat Patrick Cantley and Xander Schauffele, 3-2. and two. Another rookie, C.T. Pan from Taiwan, his approach at 12, and he almost holes out for an eagle at that hole. He and Hideki Matsuyama destroyed Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson, 5-3. Reed has been heckled a lot by the crowd. A lot of shovel references after his bunker display last week. 0-3 now for Reed this week at the President's Cup final morning match. Adam Scott, the local Aussie, the favorite. They love him. He and Ben on tie their match with Kuchar and Finau. So the internationals got two and a half of the four points this morning. They now lead nine to five. Later today, it's the four alternate shot matches. Adam Hadwin not playing, uh, playing, dealing with an illness right now. Tiger Woods also not playing today. Take, uh, keeping an eye on that back, and with the cold weather, maybe not a bad decision. Tomorrow, it's the 12 singles matches. The internationals have not won this tournament since 1998. High school basketball season just nicely getting underway. Many of the top teams in the province at the Langley Event Center for the Howard Samira Invitational. Quarterfinal today, Langley Christian and Green taking on St. Thomas Moore. Bella Gaspar with the shot clock beater there for the Knights, but Langley Christian going inside to Kate Vanderzam for the layup. They win it 58-43. Also today, the powerhouse, Kelowna Owls, second in the province last year, won it all the year before that. They're in yellow, taking on R.A. McMath of Richmond, Cassidy Day for the lay-in, and then... Paris Kirk with the steal takes it all the way for the basket as the Owls win at 70-39. They advance to the semifinals, which go tonight, and the tournament final is tomorrow night also at the LEC. So some fine high school action
2: going on.
10: Here's a Laverne Snow Report for tonight. Whistler-Blackcomb with 4 new centimetres and a base of 50. Grouse with a base of 40 centimetres and 32 for Cypress. Revelstoke with a base of 126. Areas near Fernie at 105 for the mountain. Kicking horse at 98 centimetres. Big White with 10 new centimetres, a base of 106. Silver Star 9 new centimetres. Sun Peaks with a base of 26 and 80 for Apex. Mount Washington opening to be determined. Whitewater with a base of 117. Powder King with a base of 149.
4: Coming up on ET Canada, Alicia Keys has Taylor Swift's back as Swift continues her fight for her right to own her own music. Our brand new interview with Alicia later. Plus, we are at the Paris premiere of Little Women. That's coming up at 7 right after the News Hour. For now, it's back to you.
2: All right, is the end of an era in Vancouver Radio. today? CKNW talk show host John McComb has turned off his mic for the last time.
1: McComb has been in the business for more than half a century. Jordan Armstrong looks back on his illustrious career. And what could be next?
0: It's early, but the CKNW studios high above Pacific Center are buzzing with activity. Listen, uh, thank you. Uh, for everything. This is not a routine day because after more than 50 years in broadcasting, 36 of those at the giant 98, uh, Coffee. John McComb is dispensing his last mug of radio station coffee. It's potentially the worst coffee in the world, but it's free. McComb was practically working for free when he started in radio at age 17 in his home state of Arizona. He spent time at the old Seafund fund Vancouver and stations in Portland and Montreal before landing full-time at NW in 1983. He wasn't really interested in John McComb. He would be interested in the story and the guest. And I think that's why the listeners have always enjoyed him so much. It's 3 o'clock. CKNW News Talk 980 presents The World Today. Especially those years when he did the afternoon program with his pal, Philip Till. Any advice for retirement? You've been out a few
9: years. Uh, Yes, but I'm... See, my ambition was to become North Vancouver's laziest man. And I think I have achieved this. Now, knowing Macomb, he's going to go after that title.
0: No chance of that, says his wife. With five grandchildren and years of missed evenings together, he'll be busy.
4: Just things we've never been able to do because... Dinner is at 4 o'clock, bedtimes between 6 and 6.30, including the weekends. So it's almost like having another child.
0: Every day of, of his life. He's been called the voice of the common man and a voice of support for those battling depression, sharing his own struggles with his audience. Colleagues say he's an open book and a real decent guy.
3: That's John in my eyes lovable grandfather, and drinking buddy
1: combined into one.
0: Cheers, everybody. Thank you. John McComb leaves full-time radio on his own terms and at the top of his game. Talk about going out with a bang. I didn't cry. I, yeah, Somebody give me a Kleenex, but I, I, didn't, I haven't got that far yet. So, I may cry when I open up my first pension check and see how little it is, and I'll probably burst into tears, but... But no, it's uh, the, the time was right. Uh, it felt right, and uh, yeah, it's time to move on. Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
2: We wish him a happy retirement. Yeah, congratulations on an amazing yeah. career, John. The uh, the popper got him there. That yeah. is, uh, <laughs> like might, have,
7: might have sent him uh, back home <laughs> in a different vehicle than he wanted. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: that's right. Surprised true. him. All <laughs> right, uh, let's check in with Yvonne one more time. Uh, a final look at the weekend weather forecast. How's it looking, Yvonne?
10: We just have a bit of wet weather to get through this evening and potentially for tomorrow morning. But then things really do start to brighten up as we get in towards our Sunday. It should be dry by the afternoon tomorrow. Sunday the nicest. Get out and enjoy it. And then we'll track some rainfall. But that's on Monday. So great timing for some sunshine over the weekend. Guys? And
1: a great time to check out uh, Christmas down at Canada Place back memories, so those windows. <laughs> it you does.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you were you around? Uh, I was not around. Oh, I was, I was a, around. I was not a, a, a child in Vancouver. <laughs> <but that's
1: all. laughs> They're still I've been lovely. around a lot yeah. longer than. Go you check them yeah, out. though, in a right. nutshell, yeah, sure, it's okay, worth a yes. look.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Added to the list. So many things to do. Times are running yeah, out. <laughs> true.
1: Right? Ten what? Ten days away? I think that's. 12 you Twelve.
2: We're oh, going well. to the twenty-fifth. Okay. Oh, well, get out there. Thanks for watching, everybody.